What's up, everybody? You're listening to The Recap, and that must make me your host, Porter Holt. Great day of sports action coming up tomorrow on Sunday. It's just an awesome double whammy of sorts. Week three of the NFL is underway, and better yet, the MLB's final day of the regular season. Lots of races that are still important, so the MLB coming down to the wire, the NFL just picking things up just so much to choose from tomorrow, and so I've got a whole lot to break down for you. Going to be talking about some of my early takeaways uh, from the NFL's first two weeks of the season, and then going to be talking about some predictions for the MLB playoffs coming up, plus a whole lot more. All that coming up right here, right now, on The Recap. Well, I hope none of you share my pain in um, one of the unfortunate things that happened earlier in the week. Going to start there with a little recap of Thursday night's TNF action before we get into a preview of tomorrow. Thursday, what a great Thursday night football matchup. A classic between two teams that are going to get a lot more viewership playing in a night game than they would if they were on Sunday when there was other competition. The Dolphins and the Jaguars. I mean, whew. What a rough bill. It got a lot rougher for me. I started Gardner Minshew in fantasy after watching him put up 25 points in both of the first two games this season on my bench. And you know what? I thought this week, well, they're going against the Dolphins. Minshew could throw five touchdowns. Well, he didn't throw any. Uh, he put up seven points for me, and uh, that's my biggest takeaway from Thursday night's action. Going to give you my four biggest, but number one is that Gardner Minshew – He's not all that. He really impressed in weeks one and two, but right here was his opportunity against a really weak Miami defense. At least they've looked that way so far, and he didn't come to play. I'm not sure if it was the primetime lights that got to him, but Gardner Minshew just didn't look good. He really impressed in weeks one and two, knocked off the Colts. That was not at all expected, and then put the Jags in a position where they could have beaten the Titans in week two. Didn't quite happen, but Tennessee, of course, a very talented team. Minshew was playing very well and just fell off a little bit in this game. And now, granted, he's a young quarterback. Young QBs have bad games. Even, even the best of them do. But Minshew really, he disappointed in primetime. And I'm definitely going to be scaling back my love for Minshew going forward. I still think that the Jags may have found their quarterback in of the future in Gardner Minshew. But we'll see. That I guess there are going to be some bumps in the road. And Thursday night, it, it may have been one of them. My second biggest takeaway is that Miami, they're not looking so bad. I think they could win seven or eight games this year. Um, I think they'll be in in the playoff race until week 16 or 17. Don't get me wrong. I don't think we're going to see the Dolphins in the playoffs this year. But what I do think is that Tua Tagovailoa may sit out all year long because the Dolphins are going to be winning games. And if that's the case, there's no reason to put Tua in especially with Fitzpatrick playing as well as he is. And that's my third biggest takeaway is that Ryan Fitzpatrick, man, this guy, he just doesn't go away. He still has value. He's playing with a Dolphins team that now has a couple weapons for him to throw to, but as a whole, that offense is, it, it shouldn't be very good. But Fitzpatrick is helping him put up points. I mean, even against Buffalo in week two, I thought that game could have been a shutout. I didn't know that Miami would get in the end zone or even put up a field goal that entire game long. And they made it close all the way through, due in large part to Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
and now lights up the Jaguars. I mean, Fitzpatrick, he's playing good football still. It's amazing that he is, but Brian Fitzpatrick, he still has value, and until he starts to regress, I think he should be a starting quarterback in this league, and that's all the more reason. Leave two on that bench. Give him a full year to get ready. We saw how it worked for Patrick Mahomes. We've seen how it worked for a lot of the elite quarterbacks in this league. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady talk about it all the time. It can be helpful to let a young guy sit. And the Dolphins, they look like they could give two of that opportunity. And then next year, we'll see. The Finns could really turn it around. And finally, my fourth biggest takeaway from Thursday's action, the Jaguars defense. Man, it's just bad. It It is really, really bad. Giving up a lot of points to the Titans in Week 2, that's not a huge deal. Giving up a decent number of points to the Colts in Week 1, okay. But letting the Dolphins just walk all over you. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, I just sung his praises, but it's still Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jacksonville. They just could not stop this guy. They haven't been able to stop really anyone. Uh, the Dolphins' offense, it's, it's a little bit better than I was expecting. Don't get me wrong, but... The Jaguars, they need to step things up on that side of the ball because this defense is is a liability at this point. Those were my biggest takeaways from Thursday Night Football, and I've been trying to do that every single week. It's just a good way to get things started and, and uh, prime things up for what's to come as far as Sunday's action that is coming up. Now, kind of to continue on that path, talking about what I've seen so far Let's talk biggest surprises. These are my biggest over and under performers from the first two weeks in the NFL. And now don't get me wrong. It can be very dangerous to try to overreact to either a, a player playing much better than expectations or much worse. But I'm going to get into that a little bit later with my buy sell segment on, on how much I buy into certain claims. So this is just it's guys that have either guys and teams that have either over or underperformed. We'll see if that trend continues as the year goes on to start let's talk over performers i have three guys or teams that have really impressed so far and gone above and beyond expectations and number one i mean i'm sure we're thinking the same thing how about josh allen now i love josh allen i've i've loved him since he came into the league i i drafted him in my dynasty league when he was a rookie i was all about him huge josh allen supporter but let me tell you, I was not expecting him to be leading the NFL in passing yards after two weeks. And he's second to only Russell Wilson in fantasy points. I mean, Allen is balling out. Now, don't get me wrong. This has been against the Jets and the Dolphins, which a lot of people are claiming just means that Allen hasn't done anything. Well, let me tell you, that's just ridiculous because, sure, these are two poor defenses. But Allen, it's not like he's been putting up 250 yards and three touchdowns. The guy's been going for 300, 400 yards a game just through the air. He has not thrown a pick. He's tied for second in the league with six passing touchdowns. And the running game, like I said, it's not just him throwing the ball. He's been great running the football, and he's been a lot smarter. He did fumble twice in that Jets game week one, but he has showed a lot of improvement. There were plenty of times in the past where he looked like a much different runner, being more willing to run instead of finding something down the field, knowing when to just get out of bounds, knowing when to take the sack, knowing when to throw the ball away. He just looks so much smarter out there, making much better decisions, and boy, has that Stefan Diggs connection been deadly. Allen to Diggs is just, it looks unstoppable. He had an enormous game against the Dolphins, and Diggs is just making plays. Allen seems to have a great connection with him, and 
Josh Allen, look out. He's a dark horse MVP candidate. Now, we'll see if he can continue putting up these numbers, but as of right now, he's without question the biggest overperformer in this league, and I already expected him to be a top-five quarterback in fantasy this year, and he is still outperforming those expectations. So, Josh Allen, props to you, man. This this Bills quarterback, he's here to stay. He's going to be around in Buffalo for a while. My second big overperformer, the Chicago Bears, they're 2-0. So the Bears and their quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, major overperformers. Now, don't get me wrong. The competition level has not been high. They beat Detroit, and then they beat the New York Giants. But at the same time, this is, the, this is a Bears team that I thought could end up with the number one overall pick this season. That's how bad I thought they would and could be. Hasn't been the case so far. They led a great and improbable late comeback win over the Lions week one. That was orchestrated by Mitch Trubisky, who finished with three touchdowns and no picks in the game. And he really looked good leading that comeback. It was it was so unlikely, as I mentioned, to see the Bears do that. But they, they orchestrated it well, looked very good. Trubisky slowed down a little bit through a couple of picks in week two against the Giants, but he also added two more touchdowns. So he's looking at five TDs to two interceptions on the year. And that Giants defense, you may be thinking, well, he should have been able to do a little more against the Giants. Bears didn't play real well. Well, let me tell you, the Giants defense right now, they rank in the top five in the league in yards per game. They are not giving up a lot defensively. I expect that to change as the year goes on. But so far, the Giants have been pretty solid on defense. So you can't fault Trubisky entirely for not having a much better game against them. Now, my bigger overperformer is the Bears as a whole. But look at Mitch Trubisky. He, he's, he's shown a little bit these first two weeks and proven why he's the starter over Nick Foles. Finally, my third overperformer. How about that Packers offense? Boy, 505 offensive yards per game and 42.5 points per game. Over 40 points in each of the first two weeks of the season. That is just remarkable. The Packers offense just can't be stopped. They lead the league in yards per game and points per game. Those two metrics I just mentioned and a whole lot of other things too. Aaron Jones looks unstoppable. 168 ground yards. Against Detroit last week, he went over 200 total yards on the day, put up 40-plus fantasy points. I mean, the guy was incredible. He leads the league with 234 rushing yards, played well in Week 1 against Minnesota as well. Aaron Jones just looks so, so good. And and although their defense has been unexpectedly poor, giving up a, a decent amount of points, that offense, they're making up for it quite a few folds. I mean... I was not expecting this. I thought the Packers were going to be pretty average this season. If the offense keeps playing like this, they're going to be able to beat a whole lot of teams. Biggest test yet upcoming, though. They'll take on the Saints in primetime in week three. We'll see if New Orleans can shut them down. Of course, the Saints sporting one of the better pass rushes in this league and a solid secondary to boot. So we'll see if the Packers are slowed down at all or if they just keep going with their onslaught of the league so far. A huge overperformer, that Packers offense as a whole. Now let's turn to the other side of that coin. This is where you don't want to be if you're a team or a player. The biggest underperformers of these first two weeks. And the first one, I again, it, it's, it's a pretty obvious choice. What is happening in Dallas? Now don't get me wrong. The Cowboys led an incredible comeback win over Atlanta this past week. I'm sure you heard about it. You may have even seen some or all of it. 
but how were they down that big in the first place? I mean, the Falcons were dominating the Cowboys for the first half and most of the third quarter, too. There's no reason for that. The Falcons are better than their 0-2 record suggests, but this Cowboys team, I mean, I had picked them to win the NFC this year. And for good reason. They have arguably the best receiving core in the league. They have Ezekiel Elliott. They have Dak Prescott. They have the best linebacking core in the league. They have a solid defense overall. And they just haven't played like it. They have been a huge letdown. That that hype defense lit up by the Falcons. And the high-powered offense that they're supposed to have, totally flat against the Rams in week one. And pretty flat for half of that second game. Really only turned it on in the second half when they led that incredible comeback over Atlanta. The Cowboys could easily be 0-2. You, you could argue they should be 0-2. I mean, that the Falcons really blew a lead there, but they should have been 2-0. The Rams and Falcons, they neither of those should have been a big issue for the Cowboys, and, and both were with, with the Rams actually beating them. So the Cowboys, major, major underperformers. We'll see if Mike McCarthy can find a way to turn things around. Otherwise, it could be another disappointing year in Dallas. It seems like everyone is right now. My other big underperformer here, and and these top two were easy picks. The third was was a little bit more of a reach. Joe Mixon, man, when is he ever going to pan out? I mean, every year it seems like, oh, this is the year. Joe Mixon's going to turn it around. He's been hyped up since coming out of college, and every year just disappointing. Right now, through two games, 3.3 yards per carry. I mean, come on. Even with this passing game so much better this year, that that should be opening running lanes. I mean, Burrow threw 61 times in Week 2. In general, the passing game has been solid. So that opens up the box. It allows you to run the football. Mixon's still struggling. The disappointment, it just continues. He's yet to score a rushing touchdown, and it's looking like it could be another long year for the Bengals starting running back. He may not be the Bengals' starting running back after this year if he can't find a way to turn things around in 2020. Uh, Joe Mixon, just a huge disappointment through two weeks. And finally, talked about the Falcons a little already. The Falcons' defense, just a huge underperformer. That blown lead to Dallas was absolutely ridiculous. There was no reason that the Cowboys should have been in any position to win that game. But the Falcons' defense, they just caved. They blew it in a huge way. The thing here, I mean, no one was expecting Atlanta to have a real good defense, but the key is that the offense has been explosive. Very good against Seattle in Week 1, great against Dallas in Week 2, and the wrong one too. It's entirely the defense's fault. They've been a huge underperformer, not helping that offensive unit at all. So this next segment, as promised, buy, sell. It's one of my favorite segments to do. We're going to pick three things, three claims that, that have been popular around the league, around the media, just surrounding the NFL so far. And I'm going to either buy or sell on them. That is either I trust that claim or I really don't believe it and I'm going to sell it. To begin, let's go back to the most popular guy in this podcast so far, Josh Allen. And and I mentioned it early on, around the league, he's being looked at as an MVP candidate. And don't get me wrong, he's putting up great numbers. Um, He should be talked about this way through two weeks but as far as actually being an MVP candidate when when the year comes to its end I'm selling that Josh Allen is an MVP candidate and again I'm a huge Josh Allen fan but he has missed numerous wide open receivers in the end zone particularly in week one against the Jets that inaccuracy it's still a big issue and 
I said it already. He got a big benefit in playing Miami and New York in the first two weeks. I mean, you're allowed to make some mistakes against those teams because they're going to give you extra opportunities to win and to succeed. But he has been inaccurate, and that's going to show more in bigger games where Josh Allen really needs to step up and hit his open receivers. Not only that, I said it already, against the Jets, two fumbles. In week one, two fumbles. That continues to be an issue. He's been smarter with running the football, but he's got to have a better handle on it. One of the fumbles against the Jets, I mean, he basically handed the ball to the defender, just like it was like it was a pitch. It's just that continues to be an issue. And don't get me wrong, any running quarterback has this issue. Look at Patrick Mahomes. He fumbled, what, 10, 12 times in his MVP season? So don't get me wrong, it happens. But between the fumbles and the inaccuracy, I don't believe Josh Allen will be able to bring home MVP this season. I could certainly be proven wrong if he continues to improve at such a quick rate. I still think he's going to be a top five quarterback this season, um, particularly in fantasy. I expect it to be stat-wise across the NFL as well. He's definitely morphing into one of those top five guys where you talk about Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. I mean, for me, those four are the top four, and the number five is up for grabs. But I think Josh Allen is putting himself in a position to be that number five guy. But as far as being the MVP at the end of the year, no, I have to sell. Secondly, the Patriots, they won in week one against the Dolphins, but that was the Dolphins, and they didn't look that good either. But then in week two, one play away, a goal line stand from the Seahawks away from winning against Seattle in prime time. The Patriots, they look like they may be still good, and I'm buying that. Yes, of course the Patriots are still good because Bill Belichick is still the head coach. He is once again proving himself to be the master of finding value where other people just don't see it, and this time is former MVP Cam Newton. Now, he's not playing like the Cam of old, but of course he's not playing like the Cam of old. Belichick doesn't even need him to because he will find a way to win no matter what. And Newton, he's giving Belichick more than enough to be able to win games. So Cam, of course, goes to New England and and he's having a a rebirth of sorts. The fact that the Patriots went toe-to-toe with Seattle, that was a huge statement matchup. And it's going to go a long way going forward for the Pats because the guys on this team, now they really know. All right, you know what, Tom Brady? No, Tom Brady, no problem. We've got Cam Newton now, and we can still play Patriots football. The defense still full of some ballers. I mean, so many playmakers on this defense. That's going to help in a big way, and it's going to allow that offense to not be a top-10 offense and still allow New England to win 10, 11 games this year. Now, do I think they're going to go 13-3 and and win the AFC? No, I don't. But they're going to make the playoffs, and they're probably going to make a run at the East title. But as I mentioned, Josh Allen playing as well as he is, it's going to be tough for them to beat out the Bills atop the AFC East. The Raiders, 2-0. That was a bit unexpected. It it wasn't by much. They, They barely beat the Panthers in Week 1 in a shootout, but then turned around and christened their new Las Vegas stadium with a victory over the Saints, and a pretty comfortable one, too. The Saints went up early on, but the Raiders took control by about midway through the second quarter on. Saints really never got anything after that, and the Raiders cruised. The claim here is whether or not the Raiders are a legitimate 2-0 team, because there's a lot of things going around. Well, look at all these 2-0 teams. Look at, look at the Chiefs, and look at the Titans, and then the Raiders. I mean, what are they doing here? 
But I'm going to buy that the Raiders are a legitimate 2-0 team. I talked about it all offseason. I mean, if you've been a listener to the recap for a little bit, you're probably sick of hearing it, that look out for the Raiders. They're better than people realize. Well, look out for the Raiders. They're better than you realize. Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs are, are so, so much better than they are giving credit for, especially Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller. Oh, my God. He's a monster. Just ask the Saints. He dominated. I, he finished with just over 100 yards on 12, 13 catches, something ridiculous like that. The only question for the Raiders is the defense, and it's certainly a question because there's not a whole lot of big names back there, and there's a lot of new faces and a lot of older guys that aren't there anymore, so it's guys that aren't used to playing together. But if the defense can step up and start playing solid and, and they looked okay against the Saints, the Raiders, they, they could make a push at the playoffs this year. Now, it's not going to be easy to dethrone the Chiefs atop the West. Don't get me wrong. I'm not picking them to do so, but the Raiders, really a solid chance of making the playoffs this year, in my opinion, and that 2-0 start, it just exemplifies that fact. Just a couple more segments here, and they're similar stories. Going to be picking some games for you. First, as usual, helping you with your pick and survivor pools for the NFL here as we head into week three. And then we'll finish off with some baseball as I'll make my picks for the wild card round, which starts this next week, just a few days away on Tuesday. But first, looking at this week's games. Now, on Thursday, I picked the Jaguars to beat the Finns. Like I said, I thought Gardner Minshew was going to have a big game, and, well, he didn't. So I'm 0-1 right now, hoping that that will improve as we go along. So let's uh, head to the 1 o'clock games, and I'll tell you what I'm thinking. First of all, the Bills taking on the Rams. I, I've sung the Bills' high praises quite a bit this episode, and I'm going to continue to do it. Buffalo just looks good. They look really good. Josh Allen just playing great football. Now, the Dolphins, they, they gave them fits towards the end of that game. The Finns were, were in it, but the Bills, they hung on to win, and they deserved to win. They, they did play a better game. It was just a few things down the stretch went the Finns' way and, and kept it close. But Buffalo's defense is the real deal. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs looks like a top-five QB receiver combination in this league. And, and they have depth at receiver all of a sudden. I mean, the Bills, I know, you're shaking your head saying, what? But they do. John Brown, Cole Beasley playing well. Dawson Knox is an underrated tight end. And Zach Moss, the rookie running back, is starting to look solid. The Bills, they're a team to watch out for. I, I think they've got a shot to win the AFC. It won't be easy, of course, but they just look so good. And, and they're playing against a Rams team that has certainly impressed. They beat the Cowboys in week one, and they beat up on the Eagles in week two, the second one a little bit less impressive than the first. But either way, the Rams are playing solid football. They're about to meet a Bills team that is playing just excellent, excellent football right now. I don't think the Rams will be able to do enough to win here, but they should keep it close. It's going to be a hard-fought game, a lot of great defensive players on both sides. Expect turnovers, expect big hits, expect a low-scoring game, but expect Buffalo to come out on top. The Patriots take on the Raiders. Talked a little bit about both of them. The Raiders 2-0 coming off beating the Saints. I mean, talk about a trap game. And even if it wasn't, you're playing Bill Belichick in the New England Patriots. So this one, a pretty clear choice. Don't be surprised if the Raiders find a way, but the Patriots, they should be in control here. The Browns taking on Washington in Cleveland. The Browns offense got it going against Cincinnati last week and Sure, the Bengals' defense isn't exactly uh, top tier, but now they get Washington, another 
pretty poor defense. The pass rush is solid. Chase Young already playing some good football, and there's a lot of other guys on that D-line as well. So Baker Mayfield, he will struggle a little bit in this one, but they should do enough to beat a Washington team uh, that just doesn't have it going offensively. The Steelers played the Texans, and man, Houston, what an opening schedule. You get the Chiefs, you get the Ravens, you get the Steelers, weeks one, weeks one through three. I mean, that is just brutal, and the record's going to reflect how brutal it is. I expect the Texans to fall to 0-3. I've talked about it before. They just lack any sort of offensive punch now that Hopkins is gone. It's just not there. And the Steelers' defense has been incredible, especially against the run. That's going to make it a, a one-dimensional offense for the Texans. And like I said, without DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson can't find that guy he really needs to stretch the field. Will Fuller has played admirably, but he's not Hopkins. That's a simple fact. Steelers should win this one pretty easily. The Giants take on the 49ers, and man, injuries galore in this one. Saquon Barkley is out for the year. Jimmy G, George Kittle, Raheem Mostert, all not playing this game for the Niners, and there are other injuries around too in this matchup. It's going to be Nick Mullins at quarterback for San Francisco, but the Giants without Saquon Barkley, I mean, I don't think they can even beat Nick Mullins. The, the Giants now are looking at potentially having the number one overall pick this year because no Saquon means very little offense, more than likely, unless Danny Dimes really steps up. The Niners, they just destroyed the Jets last week, even with those starters not playing most of the game. So despite not having Jimmy G and Raheem Mostert and George Kittle, I think San Fran finds a way to win on the road. The Eagles taking on the Bengals. Eagles sit at 0-2, and I, I'm not surprised by that. I'm really not. I mean, I was a little bit surprised to see him lose to Washington, but this team, I can't stress enough, they've just got so many areas of need. The receiving core, still an issue. The running game, so questionable. Carson Wentz not playing well. The linebacking core is atrocious. The Bengals, they look like a better team here. Joe Burrow has been solid so far. Of course, it's a good receiving core. I think the Bengals win this one, but it should be close in Philly. The Vikings play the Titans. Minnesota 0-2, Tennessee 2-0. It looks, a matchup like this, you might think, oh, well, this is where the Vikings will get their first win. Not that the Titans are a bad team, but it's just that setup where is Minnesota really going to start 0-3, especially when they play at home this week? Yeah, they are. The Titans are just a better team. They, they, they played so much better football. Kirk Cousins has just been harassed through the first two weeks. And the defense for the Vikings, man, it's it's just been atrocious, especially in week one against the Packers. Minnesota, they're just a different team this year. I, I didn't think they'd be as poor as they are, but they are. And the Titans should win this one big. The Falcons at 0-2 and the Bears at 2-0. This one, unlike the Vikings game, this is where an 0-2 team will get their first win. Sure, Chicago's 2-0. Sure, they've been better than expected, but the Falcons are a better team than their record suggests. And even though Chicago's defense is solid, it won't be enough to contain Matt Ryan and all the firepower on this Atlanta offense. The Colts take on the Jets. The Jets looking like the worst team in football right now, and that should continue here. The Colts have been solid so far, especially defensively, and that's the key here. Sam Darnold will turn the ball over. The Jets do not have a running game, especially without Le'Veon Bell. And New York, they're just going to struggle to move the football. It's going to be very much like that Bills game in week one, maybe even a little worse looking because Indy's defense has really been dominant. The Colts should win this one easily, so easily, in fact, that this is my survivor pick this week. If you're in a survivor pool and you haven't chosen the Colts yet, which you probably haven't given their matchups so far this year, 
Look for them to beat the Jets this week. That's a pretty safe pick. It's in Indy. The Colts are playing well. The Jets are playing terribly. This is a great value pick here. Use a team that you're not going to have a whole lot of chances to use this year because the Colts, they're probably going to be about 500. But against the Jets, pick Indy as your survivor pick this week. The Chargers take on the Panthers. And again, the injuries. Tyrod Taylor is hurt. What a crazy story. If you haven't heard this, which I'm sure you have, he was scratched as the starter last week before the game out of nowhere. Justin Herbert got the start. It wasn't expected. It's because he was getting an injection for a cracked rib and the team doctor punctured his lung. I mean, you got to be kidding me, but that's what happened. So no Tyrod Taylor now, although Herbert played very well against the Chiefs last week. So he's in no Christian McCaffrey for the Panthers. Obviously, that is the much bigger loss. That's enough to make me favor the Chargers. The L.A. defense has been really good. And with no CMC, Teddy Bridgewater is going to have a long day as the Chargers win this one. The Broncos play the Bucs. And again, injuries. I mean, that's the story of the NFL uh, after week two. No Drew Locke for Denver. It's going to be Jeff Driscoll more than likely, although they did sign Blake Bortles. Even if they want him to be the starter, he'll need a little bit of time. So Jeff Driscoll and the Broncos taking on Tom Brady and the Bucks. I mean, that headline is enough right there to tell you this should be Buccaneers. It is at mile high, which could make things a little bit interesting, but the Broncos just don't have enough to beat the Bucks here in week three. Seahawks-Cowboys. This could be the game of the week right now. What a great, great matchup. And I, I have to say, with the Cowboys playing their, their disappointing football so far, it, it may not end up being as great a matchup. You have to hope that they'll come out to play, but if they don't, it could be Seattle in a big way. Even if the Cowboys do have their best stuff, I still like the Seahawks here. Russell Wilson is looking like a potential MVP early on. DK Metcalf is playing great football. I think the Seahawks do enough here to beat Dallas in a close one. Cardinals taking on the Lions. Arizona, they, they've been sneaky good so far. DeAndre Hopkins loving his new home. And let's face it, they're playing Detroit. This is a pretty, pretty easy one. Uh, the Cardinals, they're playing plenty good enough football to be the team that allowed a comeback to the Chicago Bears in week one. In the night games, first of all, Sunday night, Saints-Packers brought it up earlier. But it's a Saints-Packers game that isn't going to be quite as intriguing as it as it should have been because no Michael Thomas, no Devontae Adams. I would argue those are the top two wide receivers in the NFL right now. I mean, you could throw in Julio Jones, you could throw in DeAndre Hopkins, but those two guys have been balling out. Neither one is going to suit up this game, so it keeps things even as opposed to one team being without one and the other having their big guy. Uh, but it, it it should keep things pretty even. The Saints are coming off that loss to the Raiders, and I think that was a bit of a wake-up call for New Orleans because this is a year where the Saints were really expected to, to make one last run at it in, with Drew Brees in, in likely his final year. That was a wake-up call. I think here in Week 3, they showed that they have awakened. They will handle the Packers. It's going to be tough against that high-powered offense, but I think New Orleans will do enough uh, just to to grab this one by, by a few points. And on Monday night, potentially an even better matchup, the Chiefs and the Ravens. What everyone was expecting to be the AFC Championship game a year ago, it couldn't end up being that here in 2020. Tough game to pick. Both have looked good. The Chiefs? alarmingly almost lost to the Chargers last week, but of course, Pat Mahomes found a way. Expect a similar story here. I, I trust Pat Mahomes to find a way. It's what he does best. Chiefs over the Ravens on Monday night. Now moving to the MLB to wrap things up. The wild card round, as I mentioned, starting on Tuesday, just a few days out. Uh, now, 
understand there are still some spots that have not been clinched in both the AL and the NL. There are some games going on right now in the MLB, and there are a whole bunch going on tomorrow. Uh, right now, it's 11.30 Saturday night. The Padres are taking on the Giants. Padres up 3 to nothing. Giants, it's not a must-win game, but a win would go far in pushing for a wild-card spot. So that's a big game. The only other game on right now, Angels-Dodgers, and that does not hold any weight. The Dodgers have already locked up the number one seed in the NL, and the Angels are eliminated. But Padres-Giants, uh, that, that will have an impact because the Giants are one of those teams in the running. And then, as I said, tomorrow there, there are several games that, that have major implications in the final day of the regular season. But as of right now, there are some things that have been clinched. The Rays have clinched the American League East and the number one seed in the AL. The Oakland A's have clinched the AL West. Uh, there are a whole bunch of teams that we know all eight teams in the AL. We know who's going to be there. We just don't know what order. Uh, so I'll get into all those teams when I go through each matchup. Um, in the NL, the Braves, Cubs, and Dodgers, they've all clinched their divisions. As I mentioned, the Dodgers have clinched, clinched the number one seed. The Braves have clinched number two. So we know one, two, and three are Dodgers, Braves, Cubs in that order. The Reds have clinched a playoff berth. The Padres have clinched the second spot in the NL West and therefore a playoff berth. Same for the Miami Marlins, but out in the East. So a lot more going on in the NL yet with, with some spots open and some teams still in the running than in the AL, but both with, with things coming down to the wire in some spots. So did predictions a week ago for what, what where things would end up? Obviously, those were not all correct. In fact, there were a number of things that I got wrong there. The biggest one, I really thought the Yankees were going to come back and win the East, but the Rays, they said no to that. Now they're the number one seed, so we'll start there. The number one will host the number eight, that being the number two wild card. And it looks like that's going to end up being the Toronto Blue Jays. So Rays, Jays in week one in an AL East battle. Now remember, the wild card matchups are a best of three series this year in the MLB with this expanded playoff format, eight teams getting in from each league. So Rays, Blue Jays, Tampa's just playing such good baseball right now. I'm going to take them to win 2-0 here. Um, we'll see. The Blue Jays could pull a game out, but they just are not good enough to actually upset the Rays here in the first round. The number two seed, it's going to be, there's a few teams that it could end up being. Could be Oakland, the winner of the West, and then it could be somebody from the AL Central, either Twins, White Sox, or Indians. I'm going to take the Twins here. Uh, they are winning the, the Central right now. With a win tomorrow, they would clinch that division, and I'm expecting that to happen. They're taking on the Reds, who it's an important game for Cincy as well, but I, I just think Minnesota has the edge here, especially in a, a must-win game for the division that – Minnesota finds a way, they get it done, and that'll put them in the number two spot in the Central. So they take on the number seven seed. That's the first wild card, and this could be, it could end up being Toronto, it could end up being the Yankees, it could end up being the Indians or the White Sox. I'm going to pick it to be the White Sox here, which is surprising. A, a week ago, I was telling you that the White Sox were the best team in the American League and that they were going to be the number one seed. Well, now they're not even winning the division. I don't even have them picking up the second place spot. They're two and eight over their last 10 games. And so I expect them to slot in here as the number seven seed as the number two wild card. And although the White Sox, the talent is certainly there. They're playing a twins team with a lot more experience here. I think the White Sox take a game, but they end up losing the series two games to one in the three, six matchup. This is the clearest one for me. 
Oakland, it, it looks pretty pretty clear that they're going to be the third best division winner for the three seed, and Houston is without question going to be that six seed. Uh, that's already been determined. They clinched the second spot in the AL West, but they are not going to be beating out either of the other two second place teams in the East or the Central. So they're number six. So it's an AL West show down here. Houston, I think, will make some noise just because they know how to win in the playoffs. But Oakland's so much better a team. Houston does not deserve to be in the playoffs this year. They wouldn't be if it was the normal format. But they will find a way to win one game here. Oakland, overall, so much better. They should win it 2-1. to Finally, the 4-5 matchup. There are a few ways this could go. I have it ending up Indians and Yankees with Cleveland pulling out the number two spot in the AL Central and the Yankees pulling out the number two in the East. Neither of those is clinched, bear in mind, so this could change. The Yankees, they've just been so up and down recently. They've been streaky. Streaky can mean good in the playoffs, though, because when it comes to the World Series champion, it's often the team that got hot at the end of the year, and that could be the Yankees here. If if they get hot, they just they're so good when they're firing on all cylinders. I think this series will be close because Cleveland's pitching is just so good, but in the end, the Yankees are a little better. I'll take them to win two to one and move on. And on the NL side, the Dodgers have clinched the number one seed, as I mentioned. They'll take on the number eight team, and there's a few different teams that could end up in this slot. The Brewers are in the running, the Phillies, uh, the the Reds could potentially fall down here, the, the Cardinals could. The Giants are the number eight seed right now, but so many teams involved. As I mentioned, Giants are playing right now, and a win would go a long way. Uh, they did just score a run here in the bottom of the eight, so now it's three to one. They still trail San Diego. I think the Giants do find a way and sneak in as the number eight seed. Much like the Astros, this is not a team that deserves to be here. They would not be making the playoffs if 2020 wasn't such a weird year. But they'll sneak in here. They'll very quickly show they don't deserve to be there, though. Dodgers should sweep easily 2-0. The number two seed already locked in as Atlanta, as I mentioned. Number seven, I will take the Reds to finish there. But let me tell you, the NL Central was the hardest division for me to sort out because the Cubs clinched the division, but the Reds, Cardinals, and Brewers are all right there, right together. Uh, The Reds and the Cardinals are tied right now in winning percentage, and the Brewers, I believe, are, are a half game back of both of them. So it's coming down to the wire in a big way. The Reds are the only one of those three teams that has clinched a playoff spot. So they'll be somewhere. It's just a question of whether they end up as second place in the division or if they fall to third place and end up with a wild card. That's what I expect to happen here, which would put them at the number seven seed as the number one wild card. They have to play a tough, tough Braves team. Don't get me wrong. The Reds are really solid. People don't realize how good they are. But the Braves' offense is just incredibly good. And and the Reds, they don't have the playoff experience they need here. I will also take the Braves to sweep 2-0. The number 3-6 matchup is is pretty much set. It's not set in stone just yet, but I'm expecting it to be Miami in that number 6 spot. They have clinched the playoffs as the number 2 team in the NL East. The Cubs, as I mentioned earlier, have clinched the number three seed. If you're not picking up yet, the NL is way more set already than the AL is. The Marlins, another team that does not deserve to be here, and they are going to show that. So this is the third matchup in the NL that I will take as a sweep. Cubs, 2-0. Finally, number four, San Diego. That's already been clinched. The Padres with the number two spot in the NL, and therefore the number four seed as they have the best record out of any second-place team. And number five, 
that leaves St. Louis. Again, they have not even clinched a playoff spot, not to mention the five seed. I think they'll do enough here at the end of the year. It's going to come down to whether or not they can beat the Brewers, and, and the Brewers have just been so iffy this season that I'll take St. Louis to win it. But San Diego, I, for me, they're the second-best team in the NL behind the Dodgers, and therefore it's going to be tough for the Cardinals to keep up. The Cardinals just don't have the offense to keep up with San Diego. I will take San Diego to sweep as well. That's right. I'm picking all four NL wildcard matchups to go 2-0. Will it happen? Probably not. I'll probably be wrong about the seeding too, but that's where I pick things to go as of right now. We'll see. Hopefully it'll end up being pretty close to that way because man, my last predictions, uh, they didn't, they didn't age real well. That's going to do it for today. Um, I hope you're excited as I am to see how things wrap up in the MLB and Man, it's been great having the NFL back. Things have been just so fun so far. So definitely look out for all those things I just talked about tomorrow. Hopefully some of that advice can help you out in, in your on your fantasy teams or in your pick'em pools and all the all that good stuff. And I'll be back to talk to you again uh, this same time next week. Episodes out every weekend. Uh, it'll be all season long. But as I mentioned, uh, that's that's all for right now. So until next week, this has been the recap with Porter Holt. Thank <laughs> you.